1: It's Rick Tittle!
2: All right. Hey, thank you for that. It's a two for Tuesday. Come on in. Two free corn dogs for every corn dog you buy. I don't know. I am Rick Tittle, and it's great to have you with us wherever you are listening in this great land of ours. And, you know, whatever you got going on in your world is why I'm here. All your personal problems, medical issues, financial irregularities, probation officers. What's that? Oh, sorry, sports, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, Quidditch, Rilla Ball, chess checkers, rugby, cricket. The trade deadline is now officially today. <laughs> Kept thinking July 31st, but no, it's today, and we'll keep our eye on it. 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. out on the East Coast. Uh, I watched the U.S. women play soccer last night, and uh, I should say Today, from midnight to 2 a.m., we'll talk about that as they somehow, someway have scraped their way into the knockout rounds. Yes, that's the United States I'm talking about. Very lucky this morning. Uh, also, um, not just trade deadline in soccer, but um, off-season moves as the NFL, is we're getting ready for camps to get going. In fact, camps are going right now, honestly, uh, in earnest and uh, then, of course, uh, your uh, thoughts on anything else in sports. This is It's a wide-open forum. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call, and it's a magazine-style show, Cat Fancy. 1-800-878-7529. Tune in up, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app. We'll have Twitch.tv going as well. Karen Lyle drops by at 940, salesporttalk.com, as she always does on Tuesdays. And director Mark Turtletaub highly accomplished director has a new movie with ben kingsley we'll talk to him in the third hour as well twitter is at rick tittle or i should say x is anybody ever going to say that i'm rick Tittle. come on back
3: has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you sell a home you can't afford or just don't want to get the cash you need today
0: 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 that's 800-788-1495 has your heater or air conditioner busted appliance broken computer crashed That's 800-392-7027. Limitations and exclusions
4: apply. First month free with purchase of single plan. Visit choicehomewarranty.com for more details.
5: Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he's so handsome. He's a genius.
2: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Come on in and get heard wherever you might happen to be listening in this great land of ours. The lines are open. Um, It's not often uh, people stay up to watch a live sporting event overseas in the wee hours of the night. It happens uh, a lot of times in the Olympics and uh, sometimes in the World Cup for the— Women's World Cup, though, the first two games that the U.S. got were uh, primetime games. They were 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. on the East Coast, and those were cool. This time, if you're on the East Coast, you were a bit screwed. It was 3 a.m., and it was midnight out here. And the United States women's national team, all they had to do was tie or beat Portugal to go on to the knockout stages. And Portugal had never been to a World Cup before. They, uh, the coach that they have, this guy Neto, he came in 10 years ago. They were ranked 41st in the world. They're now ranked 21st in the world. But one of the reasons I said that I like the Women's World Cup, and I worked the very first one in 1991 when it was in China, is back in 2011, the World Cup in Germany, USA got to the final lost to Japan, and then they won the next two, was that there was actual parity the other countries could actually stand up and fight. And there is now uh, no doubt that the World Cup has (laughs) big-time parity. Portugal was a machine yesterday, or I should say today. They were an absolute passing machine. They always had an open player. Um, They... Knew what they were doing. They attacked. They were very confident. They had tremendous speed. Um, and the USA was, you know, if you pardon the expression, caught with their pants down. They didn't know what they were. They didn't know what they were doing. There was absolutely no midfield in that first half. It was non-existent. There was a back line, and then there was a front line. And I don't really know who was playing midfield. Did Lavelle? Did Haran? These are two forwards and Haran and Lavelle that are now playing midfield with Andy Sullivan. And I wonder about this coach now, this Vlatko guy, because I- I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with the team selection. I'm not impressed with the substitutions. Um you know, taking off Sophia Smith late. I didn't <laughs> get that. Megan Rapino came in. And I wanted her to come in. And she is a shell of her former self. And I know that she has been hurt. But she came in and looked good for about a minute. And then everything she tried. Bad pass. Everybody was just not the same. Alex Morgan. you Name a player. Just bad passes. Rapino did nothing. Um, I mean, she was active. I'll give her that. But I just wonder if the USA pays too much attention to the hype because every commercial, you know, is Sophia Smith with a MasterCard, and then it's Andy Sullivan kicking a ball into the back of a VW, and then there's this one Megan Rapinoe one. It's like a two-minute long commercial, what it looks like, like a 80s cartoon, sort of like this He-Man type of thing, and it's cool, but the song is Megan Rapinoe, something like that, Megan Rapinoe, and she's just like conquering the world on a motorcycle and then juxtaposed putting her in she did not look uh spry and I'm like're we're, we're just we're just so much there's so much hubris surrounding this team and I understand why there are more people watching it than basically anything else probably not last night because of the time but you know I <laughs> I just wonder about the the team selection as well. And after the game, even though she came on for literally the last two minutes of stoppage time, which was eight minutes, Kelly O'Hara gave a very emphatic team speech at the end. Everyone was gathered around. There was not a lot of uh, World Cup experience. This Williams, who started instead of Rodman, didn't do much, and they put in Rodman late. She wasn't doing anything. There's no service from the midfield. There's no midfield maestro. There's no one controlling the game. And I think the USA is just so used to steamrolling everyone. You know, with Holland, the USA would advance as winners of the group, which is better for your seeding. It's like they're probably going to play Sweden now, uh, unless something weird happens, which is not going to be easy. But <clears throat> I just think a lot of times USA just thinks they're going to show up. Now, look, they played Portugal uh, nine time, or ten times before, and they beat them all ten times, and the score was thirty-nine to nothing. Portugal still has never scored against the United States in eleven games, but now they have their draw, and they should have won the game. They were the better team; they had better possession. And then, uh, very late, their sub Capella, she turned and just hit a rocket off the post. She got through the defense, and as soon as she kicked it, I thought the World Cup's over. But you could see, like, listen there—the most capped goalie since Hope Solo and Brianna Scurry, just fear in her eyes, and fumbling balls and kicking balls to the other team, and <laughs> and Alexi Lawless, who's been on this show, has been in here. Um, you know, he loves being a naysayer. At halftime, he said, "Has Crystal Dunn ever played soccer before?" Like, oof, she's also a tittle guest. Um, I didn't think it was cool to, point, uh, to pick her out. I didn't think she was horrendous. But there was no, there was no one who was good. Nobody. And the time and time again trying to take on the same people, just that telling ball. Um, and Portugal, I think, you know, the USA came down, they kicked off, they almost scored from the kickoff, and I was thinking, oh, this could be a route. But after about, you know, they always say in soccer, you want to just not concede after 20 minutes and let the game settle down. I think after like three, four, five, six minutes, Portugal was like, hey, this we could win this. This team isn't that scary. And so there's no cohesion from the back line to the front. And when Girma, who's a good player, and of course uh, Ertz is a good player, they'd get the ball. They mostly had to bring it up themselves. There was no one to, to dish it off to. And so you had a lot of route one, Um, which didn't work. And, you know, the USA had uh, chances. Um, Not a lot, but uh, Alex Morgan is not having a good World Cup. She has no goals. She kicked a penalty kick right at the goalie (laughs) against Vietnam. She should have at least one. But the USA um, should have lost that game, and they probably deserve to lose that game. But uh, I'm happy that they're – going through, my interest would have greatly waned if this was, uh, I mean, I still, growing up, the USA was never in the World Cup. 1990 was the first time they were in the World Cup. So as a kid, I just rooted for my heritage. I rooted for West Germany, England, and Denmark. And uh, those teams are still in, of course, it's United Germany. But Uh, The USA, by the skin of their teeth, are going through, and there's a lot of questions to ask. And the the coach, to me, did no coaching. He just kind of stood there like a bump on a log. There was no inspiration. Um, I would like to see, I don't want to say wholesale changes, but there needs to be a new attitude. And there needs to be a game plan. It was just like pickup soccer yesterday. There was no game plan. I really think they just, we'll roll out some balls and we'll beat you. We're the USA. It ain't like that anymore. And somehow, some way, the USA is in the second round, and Sweden will win if they show up like that. There's no doubt, and we can't have that happen, baby. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Bulletin.
0: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. that's eight hundred nine one five ninety six fifty four.
7: free phone call will show you how we can reduce your past tax bill and save you thousands. Guaranteed, or you pay nothing. Call now.
0: 800-949-0039. 800-949-0039. That's 800-949-0039. Paid for by the Tax Helpline.
8: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store?
9: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: Hey, thanks for that, and welcome back to the show. The email address is rick at sportsbyline.com. Once again, rick at sportsbyline.com. Um email here from uh, Chrissy. She says, Rick, do you think that the USA now is not a favorite to win the World Cup? Uh, No, I don't. I'm not going uh, scorched earth just yet. I still think that the United States is the favorite. Call me crazy. Um, When you win the last two and you're the number one ranked team in the world, I don't think that goes away in two games. But there are definitely alarm bells ringing. And I think what Portugal saw from the Netherlands was just dominate the midfield and that was their game plan. The guy, uh, Portugal head coach Francisco Neto said, we know the players of the U.S. are amazing. We know they have really good dynamics but suffer when they don't have the ball. That's a very interesting way of putting it. Why would they suffer? And The reason is, is because they have no game plan and they panic. (laughs) How do they get the ball back? And so they get the ball back on defense and then they don't know what to do with it. And it's sort of like an all-star team where you take just 11 great players and go, okay, well, you're all good, so just go play now. It's like you need to gel. You need to know where the other person is. And now here's the thing, the U.S. against Holland uh, and Portugal didn't lose. The other, uh, Netherlands had five shots, the only one on target went in, and Portugal had six shots, and the one that hit the post doesn't count as a shot on target, a shot on goal, but uh, obviously it was, um, you know, that's about as hair-raising and lucky as you can get. Just a cannonball bong off the goal post, off the woodwork, as we say. And the United States was never out of the game against either one, and the U.S. took nearly 20 shots in both of the matches. So it's not like they're being dominated. But I just think about the deer-in-the-headlights situation that they were in. Absolute deer-in-the-headlights And the fear and momentum in sports is such a huge thing. It's a really huge thing. And when you feel like you're barely hanging on, you're going to barely hang on. And so the blueprint to beating the USA is right there in front of everybody. And a team that's more clinical in front of goal is going to win those matches. And, I sort of thought as I was uh, watching it, you know, where where was the goal going to come from from the other team? I I didn't really see anybody that was scary. But the thing that was scary was just, I got it, no, you got it type of (laughs) situation at times. Now, you might say, Well, you know, who did anybody do well? I thought um, Naomi Gurma played well. I thought Emily Fox played well in the back. I thought Julie Ertz, for playing out of position, uh, played well. They weren't um, horrific. But I don't understand putting Lindsay Horan in midfield. She is a big, lumbering number 9 to me. Uh, She was practically invisible in the midfield but I'm not a big fan of Andy Sullivan. I'm not a big fan of Savannah DeMello uh, either. Um, There was talk about maybe putting Sofia Huerta in a little bit later. Uh, That didn't happen in the game. Somebody who came on late was uh, Emily Sonnet, and I hadn't heard her being mentioned as anybody that was – I mean, to me, she was – I mean, almost the last person on the bench, but she's a defensive player uh, um, out of, uh, you know, she's been on the team a long time. She uh, went to college at uh, UVA, which is a great program for the men uh, especially. But, you know, that's when the USA was just like, look, we got to just get a tie here. We got to just shut it down. Um, And honestly, uh, I don't, agree with Alexi Lawless that it looks like she'd never played soccer before but I didn't think Crystal Dunn had a good game and so you think well you know well who would you put in then you know do you give do you run out Aubrey Kingsbury or Casey Murphy do you give Alana Cook another chance Um, my number one answer is and I said this before the World Cup started Kelly O'Hara starts for me she basically single-handedly turned Stanford into a national power. Before she got to Stanford, they were just another team in the Pac-10 at the time. I um, mean, you know, I just wondered about, too, about Huerta, who switched from Mexico to the United States late in the game to kill off time. It wasn't her came, who came in. It was Alyssa Thompson. Alyssa Thompson is a senior in high school. And she's 18, well, she's 18 years old. And I think that's cool for her. When she was coming in, she was standing on the sideline freezing. She was literally shaking. She was so cold. And then you realize this is why everybody else, you know, it's winter down there and everyone's wearing this now. But she's a a midfielder. And do I think she should start? No, uh, I don't think she should start but um I just you know like I said I don't have all the answers I told you who I thought played well I don't think you bench Alyssa Nair I don't think you bench Emily Fox or Naomi Gurma um I, it's obvious that Vlatko loves Andy Sullivan running the midfield and look Andy Sullivan's not a bad player she's she's very active she's just a defensive midfielder and to me Haran, I would just put up front as a number nine, I I just don't – she's just not fast enough to be a midfielder. She had one breakaway late in the game, um, and she is the captain. I don't know why she's the captain. <laughs> I don't follow the team close enough that how it's not Alex Morgan or <clears throat> Rapino or O'Hara. But that's, that's where I start, you know, Kelly O'Hara – and I know she's thirty-four years old and, you know, she's a little long in the tooth, uh, whatever. But she is the stalwart. And she was the one issuing that rallying cry at the end of the game. And the commentator's like, You notice that it's not the head coach, it's actually her. Just a very, very passionate speech at the end. And uh Kelly O'Hara there was this uh, tweet someone said, Vladko had his chance. Now Kelly's going to coach this team. <laughs> this is somebody with 159 caps and her third World Cup. And when they named Vladko, who's been there for four years, he replaced Jill Ellis. He's 46 years old, and there have been questions whether he was the right man for the job or not. And, um, some people were saying, I would replace him right now, get somebody sitting in the Federation's box. They showed Julie Fowdy, They showed uh, the head of the United States Soccer Federation, um, Parlo Cohn. Uh Mia Hamm was up there looking kind of stunned. And, of course, that's a stupid thing to say, to just take a former player and make them the coach. <clears throat> but I don't need ranting and raving for my coach but i do need somebody who looks like he's more than just an observer i mean he just sat there with his hair brill creamed and he just kind of just stared out there and it was getting so late in the game and the only sub at that point was rapino who i was for bringing her on i thought have somebody with experience and knows what she's doing and rapino as i said she just despite all the commercials and all the hype, she's just not the same player, and it's just father time. Father time's undefeated, as they say in sports, right? Um, even late in the game, there were about three chances where Rapino could have like hit a one-timer or a half volley, and one time she just completely whiffed. And you can only go to the bank so many times. you know. I still think <laughs> Alex Morgan is effective, you know, you need, as a striker, they say you need all 90 minutes to uh, to find that goal. But, I mean, if I'm a betting man right now, I would not bet the house on the USA to win it, Chrissie. Um, But I'm not going to, uh, you know, I think they are completely capable of coming out, beating Sweden, and feeling a lot better at themselves. I can tell you um, I would need two hands, more than two hands, to talk about teams that suck during the first round of World Cups. Men's got through and then won the World Cup. I mean, there are plenty of stories about that <clears throat> who get through by the skin of their teeth and then they sort of find their way. If any team can find their way, it's this one. But right now, there's no confidence. People are pointing fingers, people have fear in their eyes, and the head coach needs to step up and take control of this team one way or another. All right. I'm Rick Tuttle. we got Karen Lyle on the other side with a little salesporttalk.com.
10: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk with a report from the LA SailGP race. I was here for the first race of the fourth season of GP. Residents of San Pedro had never seen the race, but knew the place on land as the Outer Harbor, the location where Circus Vargas and SpaceX had set up their events in the past. It took the SailGP team two weeks to set up the SailGP Village, the Technical Area, Media Center and Adrenaline Lounge, and the bleachers near the Outer Harbor of San Pedro where everything was in place before I arrived. Russell Coutts, co-founder of G P and I, coincidentally arrived at the same time at the badge area and said hello. The media operations staff were gracious in allowing myself and Marie Rogers to tour the technical area. In the pre-event press conference, I asked Ben Ainsley a question. Ben, we had talked in San Francisco about the conditions of the changes of the currents and tides and how that plays a, a role in strategy and predicting where the wind might be. How is the field here in the outer harbor of San Pedro as far as what its particular challenges are, or things that you might be able to use in strategy for the race?
11: Yeah, another great question. I mean quite a different venue here in LA to San Francisco. San Francisco much stronger currents that we're dealing with, like you said, which is a bit of a moving carpet. If you think of the current as a moving carpet and the boat's being pushed along by that carpet and the wind then changes depending on which way that carpet's running. But here, not so much current, much flatter water as well, because we're protected by the breakwater. So in terms of getting closer to the the optimum performance of the boats, we'll most likely do that, achieve that better here with the flatter waters. But it's a tighter race course, much tighter race course. So it's going to require a lot more maneuvering uh, you'd expect to see much more dynamic manoeuvring from the boats here on this tight course, that you perhaps wouldn't see on other race courses. So that's really going to test the teams to the maximum on that. Lots of unexpected manoeuvres, no doubt. That will be the biggest challenge, I think, on this race course. Also, there are a few buildings around, so you know, perhaps a little bit, winds a little bit shifter on certain sides of the course. So, I think it will be a very dynamic race course, I think, compared with San Francisco.
10: In the first day of the race, the bleachers were filled with locals. They cheered and sighed at the same time, creating a feeling of spectator camaraderie. seeing it live is so much more interesting and exciting. Your eyes capture what interests you in the moment that it happens. A foil lifting out of the water on a tight turn. The crew leaping across the beam of the boat to get to the other side and pick up their controls. How close the boats are to each other when one boat covers another in a tight tack. Congratulations to LA winners in order from first to last. Spain, first. Rockwell, Denmark, second. Australia, third. Canada, fourth. United States, fifth. Emirates, Great Britain, 6th, New Zealand, 7th, France, 8th, Switzerland, ninth; Germany, 10th. These are true athletes and amazing sailors and the competition is stiff. Congratulations to all SailGP teams for a great start to Season 4. This is Karen Lyle of SailSport Talk.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is Tuesday at 940, and that is when we check in with SalesSportsTalk.com's Karen Lyle, who co-hosts this segment with me. Karen, how are you? Hey,
12: I'm just doing great. How are you doing?
2: Not too bad. Let's bring in our guest, Marie Rogers, who we're going to have to start paying. She's been on our show so many times, and we're certainly glad to have her. She co-founded an offshore racing outreach nonprofit, and uh, we interviewed her last month, and now we want to know how she did in the TransPAC race. Marie, welcome to the show. So how did you do in the TransPAC race?
13: Hi. Well, we made it. We made it there this whole year and a half or a year and three quarters of work really paid off uh we we did well you know um uh you know it's a handicap race each each boat is rated based on its um prediction to um finish um when sailed well and we corrected on a lot of really really famous big time uh programs so i'm really excited um, and the and the crew had a great time. It was very very hard. Um, I could go on and on, but I'm sure you have specific questions for me,
12: uh, Marie. You know, you were one of the only female skippers, I believe, on this Transpac race. And during that race, what were your what were your thoughts on as you were going over the um, systems of the boat?
13: Oh, during the race, going over the systems? Um, yeah, well, my my job as as skipper, and I was the only female this year, which was kind of astounding, Sur- surprising even to me. Um, yeah, well, I was there for all the refit of that boat. You know, we bought it up in the Bay Area and, and brought it down to L.A. and, and finished it. But um, we basically went over every system in the boat. So I, I had seen it, had my hands on on all these different parts and and yes i wanted us to do well in the race but i wanted everything to hold together some of this uh the boat has done many many trans packs and pacific cups and mexico races you know really long offshore races but it's the first time for this refit and so some of the parts were new some of the parts i can really go bad (laughs) you know after a a thousand miles or more this is a 2225 mile race so um yeah, that was my main concern and um I when people wanted to race the boat really hard, I said, "Hey guys, how about if we just get the boat there <laughs> and then maybe for our next attempt we can really push it harder."
2: How much do you take into account just the I mean, I know this sounds like a trite question, but just the safety of the absolute, you know, race, do you just sort of take it as a given that you're going to be fine or how much do you have to pay attention to uh, all the other um uh, things that can uh, adversaries uh, at uh, the, uh, what am I trying to say? All the other things that can affect the boat during the race.
13: Yeah, well, I've, I, re- you're so right. I've been sailing long enough to know that just anything can go wrong at any time
5: mm-hmm. on a
13: boat, even if you're just sailing uh, near shore, like uh, up there in the bay. Um, so basically on any boat, no matter how much uh, money and time they have spent uh, on a program, Uh, something's going to go wrong on the boat, and you just have to know how to fix it. So I was the person in charge of the safety inspection, which is required uh, from the uh, uh, TransPAC uh, officials. And I was there uh, to prepare all the different sections of the boat for the inspection. I um, was incredibly, like, I would just say, like, OCD about safety i was thinking about it all the time because you never know just like one little vibration can lead to something else which can lead to something else which can lead to something else so i spent basically the entire time troubleshooting and making sure um nothing was going wrong
12: and also a shout out to your husband and staff commodore of the los angeles yacht club bill rogers he was on shore. Did he serve a role in helping you with any of the pro- any any problems that came up during the race? Oh,
13: absolutely, Bill Rogers. <laughs> we wouldn't have any of this without Bill Rogers, my husband, uh, who's a naval architect and a mechanical engineer. So, uh, if we suspected something was off, we would call Bill, um, which is great. Um, he was able to give us tons of feedback either by e- email or by phone. Um, uh, uh basically, Bill, we had nine crew members. Bill was our 10th crew member because he was, like, basically on call at all times. And when things uh, were not uh, mechanical in nature, we would still call Bill just to uh, let him know what was going on. And he really enjoyed that, and we did too.
2: What would you say would be maybe one of the more surprising things that happened uh, to your race or just recently after all the experiences? And you're like, well, I've never seen that before.
13: Uh never seen I pretty much seen just about everything uh i I would just say in terms of of goodness I mean this um, effort was unique in that we had uh everybody on the boat was seasoned, you know sailors of course, but it was the first time that I'd seen uh, people who'd not been like uh sailing practicing like. A, a year together we, we did not practice that long together um that everybody kind of got along. we fell into our um our watch duties and um our hands on uh actually sailing the boat duties like really really well and um and that's unusual <laughs> to have nine people getting along fine under a lot of pressure um sleep deprivation, not eating um as you normally would on shore, and um, you know people getting seasick. Um, it, there was a lot of uh, harmony on the boat. That was a marie Marie.
12: Marie, I just want to give you congratulations for such a successful completion of this with the first DEI crew going to Transpac, and and thanks to the nonprofit and and all those who provided the the money to support you. Um, it was it was really a pleasure to see you down at the CLGP uh, LA race. And while we were there, you were also fielding media calls because Donald Lawson, who was recently found missing with his boat capsized um, off the shore of Mexico, um, was, you know, we were just following the story. Can you tell us what's happening with that? Just summarize, because we had Donald on our show thanks to the invitation uh, that, you, that you gave us, the uh, introduction that you gave us. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happened with Donald and what that's, what's happening now?
13: Oh, yeah. I follow the news every day, looking for news for Donald. Um, but bottom line right now, he is missing. Uh, he was uh, attempting to sail his trimaran, um, the Defiant, um, previously known as Mighty Merlot as an Orca. Sixty trimaran, racing tri-marand, Um His his um, his attempt was to sail it south of uh, out of Acapulco to Panama, go through the canal, then um, and sail the boat to the east coast, to Baltimore. Um, but at some point after Acapulco, um, I forget how many days out. I think it's like around a week. Um, his wife lost his wife, um, Tori. Uh, lost contact with him, and um, Mexican the Mexican Navy went to to look for him and found the boat had capsized, and there's no sign of Donald. Um, the latest that we know is that the life raft, which was reported to be on the boat, is no longer on the boat. So we're hoping Donald is on on the um, on the life raft, and that's basically all we know. Um, it's kind of a mystery, and it's. Um, it's tragic, and we're um, keeping him in our prayers.
2: Yeah, that's really bad. Let's On a lighter note, in the movie Jaws, the character Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfuss, when Quint, Robert Shaw's character, was asking him, what do you know about sailing? He said that he had been on three packs. That's kind of like making him legit, right?
13: <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's it's a big deal, that pack. I mean... You see all the, the photos of the crews coming in and they're drinking, you know, Mai tais is out of pineapples and whatnot. But, man, it, it is an arduous uh, trip, and you can't really predict what's going to happen. It's a lot of miles between, you know, L.A. and Honolulu and just about anything. I mean, there are telephone poles out there. There are whales you can run into. I mean, sadly. Um, but there's a lot, and there can be something in your boat that you'd never known was a problem all of a sudden it it shows up you know 2,000 miles offshore I mean anything's possible.
12: What happened on this particular transact with your competitors I know you can't always see each other do you know where other people are at a given time do you have any communication that goes out to all of the racers?
13: Sure well there's a there's a race tracker that that um like families can download on their phones you know from um, the, the Transpac uh, headquarters there's a little app and there're li- like little um icons that represent the boat you can follow that um, we also have um AIS which is the automated uh, information system that you can pick up if if the boat has it on you know the boat's location any any watercraft like a container ship or you know a pleasure craft or anything Um, and then you can occasionally visually see boats around you, like at night, you can pick up their, their running lights and whatnot. And so you can go back to the computer and, and kind of figure out with all the systems that I just said and figure out who that is (laughs) and if they're, they're passing or not. Um, but it's really kind of fun. It's a, it's a slot car race for, for adults and, um, you know, potentially very dangerous, but very exciting and exhilarating. And I'm just honored that, um, I had a backer who believed enough in me. That's Bill McClure. He's on the TransPAC board who wanted to see this diverse team. So, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot and I, I still haven't com- completely, um, processed the whole thing, but I am definitely living in the glow of uh, having completed that race again.
2: Last question for you. Tell us a little bit more about your nonprofit I mentioned, please.
13: Yeah, Offshore Racing Outreach. Uh, this is a, a, a new foundation we put it together just um, a little under two years ago. And the mission is to expose as many uh, un- unrepresented um, communities into offshore sailing. So there are a lot of people sort of pick up sailing, you know, around the bay and sailing schools or whatnot, but unless you're you're well-connected, it's hard to get on the big boats that do the big races. And so we wanted to give people who have never had the opportunity, who are good sailors, to, to do that. And we give them every opportunity. Unlike other boats, you can actually drive. You can actually do something other than trim. You can actually grind. <laughs> and you can do um, system uh, troubleshooting, things that you normally don't get to do on, on owner's boats you get to do on our boats.
2: That's Marie Rogers. Offshore Racing Outreach is a five hundred one c three. Marie, thank you for your uh, your tales and your insights. We appreciate it.
13: I appreciate it. Go get trouble. That's our
12: boat.
2: <laughs> thank right. you, Marie. And uh, Karen, good trouble with you once again. Thanks for uh, coming by.
12: It's always good to be talking to you.
2: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Sports Byline.
0: That's 800-278-1738.
11: Oh, come now. Don't be ashamed. We all have our idiosyncrasies.
9: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: Jeez Louise. All right. uh, We still have two more hours. Next hour is free and clear of guests, so you can call in. Be my guest. Be my guest. Be my guest. 1-800-878-PLAY. Third hour director Mark Turtletaub's new Ben Kingsley movie with Jane Curtin. We'll talk about that. It's called Jules. Jules Vern. Uh, We know that Colorado, after this year, is moving to the Big 12. Coach Prime with the white cowboy hat. Colorado joined the Pac-12 in 2011. They had one winning season. And Dan Lanning, the head coach of uh, Oregon, uh, was being asked about Colorado leaving the conference, and he said, not a big reaction. I'm trying to remember what they won to affect this conference, and I don't remember anything. Do you remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything. Yes, they went ten and four in twenty sixteen, but other than that, they never won more than three conference games in a single season. In twenty fourteen, they were zero and nine in conference play, and they only have four seasons, or they have four seasons where they only won one Pac twelve game. And last year, they only won one it was against Cal. So he's the Deon Sanders is the fifth coach since she's come in. Uh, Since they come to the Pac-12 and they're turning around and leaving. But when he says, what have they done for the conference? When you go to a bowl game, you bring in money to the conference. And Dan Lanning is basically saying, you know, it's like the the worst guy (laughs) at your school. Just the worst, horrible, ugly, stupid bully going, I'm leaving. And somebody's saying... Why should we care? What did, what did that guy ever offer us? That's what he's saying. Why, why should we care about Colorado? And he's absolutely right, outside of the fact it's a big school in a okay market, but he's right. I'm Rick Tittle. Let's take a quick break. We'll come on back two more hours.
16: I'm
1: Corey Myers. The U.S. says it isn't encouraging or enabling military strikes outside Ukraine's borders. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller told reporters yesterday it's up to Ukraine to decide how to conduct its war with Russia. Kiev has repeatedly tried to strike targets in Moscow using drones. A suspected serial killer will appear in court this afternoon on Long Island.
14: Well, the judge is expected to hear from both the defense and prosecution side. Rex Heuerman previously pleaded not guilty to charges connected to the murder of three women whose bodies were found in the area of Gilgal Beach more than a decade ago. Authorities argue they have DNA evidence against Heuerman and recovered more evidence at his Massapequa Park home. Heuerman's lawyer points to his client's lack of a criminal record when arguing that he was not involved. Scott Pringle, New York.
1: More high temperatures in store across the southern U.S. this week, with tens of millions of Americans remaining under heat alerts. The property manager of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate made his first appearance in a Miami courtroom yesterday. Carlos de Oliveira was indicted by a grand jury on Thursday on charges including conspiracy to obstruct justice and making false statements to the FBI. That special counsel's office alleges Trump requested employees delete security footage sought by the Justice Department as part of its investigation into Trump's handling of classified material. Asylum seekers continue to sleep on sidewalks outside a midtown Manhattan hotel with New York City struggling to find shelter for them. They were once again outside the Roosevelt Hotel overnight, which is the intake center for newly arriving migrants. New York Mayor Eric Adams admits the city is out of room with hundreds of migrants still arriving daily. This is USA News.
17: With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com
1: or call one 866 sky to learn more. Actor Angus Cloud, mostly known for his role in HBO's Euphoria, is dead at the age of 25 years old.
18: His family says he passed away Monday at their home in Oakland, California However, they didn't give any details on his cause of death Family also said that Cloud was struggling with the recent loss of his father And the only comfort they have is knowing the two were reunited Cloud was a rising star in Hollywood and starred as Fezco on Euphoria
19: Listen, bro, all I'm saying, you keep fucking with Ruin and their friends And I'm gonna kill you gonna be 575 playboy
18: he also appears in movies like north hollywood and the line i'm michael kastner
1: colorado springs officials celebrating the decision by the biden administration to keep space command in colorado springs former colorado springs mayor john southers says that decision to keep space command in the city is a wise one
19: there are other aspects of uh, american security that would be seriously disrupted Uh, if there was any disruption of Space Command.
1: Clinical trials for long COVID treatments are starting soon. It's estimated as many as 23 million people in the U.S. have developed long COVID with symptoms that include fatigue, brain fog, dizziness, loss of taste or smell. They can last for weeks, months, or even longer. I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
21: everyone watches more than five hours of television really and that's not counting mobile viewing Get Dish TV and make that time worth it. With Dish, you can get hundreds of channels, access to all kinds of sports, tons of movies, premium channels, and more. Another thing that's really cool with Dish is you can watch most of your favorite shows on your mobile device anywhere for a lot less than cable. Yes, that's right. We are asking you to watch more TV and not less TV, but make it better television with Dish this time, anytime, anywhere. So call right now and learn how easy it is to save on your television bill and get the most out of your TV viewing experience. dial that number and i promise you we're here waiting for your call because we want to save you money and give you better television we are dish tv 800-293-0328
0: 800-293-0328 800-293-0328 that's 800-293-0328
13: rick tittle knows his sports
17: i hate that guy i love that guy Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Trade deadline coming up in five hour, less than five hours. I'll update you on some trades that went on over last night and this morning as well. How about this for the Super Bowl? Coming up in February, CBS Sports, which has the game, they've teamed up with Nickelodeon. What? That's because you might remember in the wild card round... <laughs> They uh, had a little sliming going on. There's going to be an alternate telecast for the Super Bowl. That's right, February 11. It'll be a kids and family centric, surprise-filled Super Bowl presentation. Super Bowl 58. Eye-popping on-field graphics, guest reporters, virtual filters. This will be telecast internationally, also in the UK, Australia, and New Ze- Zealand. And Bob Backish, President and CEO of Paramount, says, This will be a historic Super Bowl in Las Vegas, and we're thrilled to partner with the NFL to bring the game to the whole family with the first-ever alternate telecast of the Super Bowl. In year one of our new long-term deal with the NFL, we continue to maximize our expanded distribution rights and further unlock the value, blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on. And so, <clears throat> Nate Burleson... Said it will be the first ever slime-covered Super Bowl, and yeah, they did it during a wild card weekend, and they got two Sports Emmy awards for outstanding playoff coverage and outstanding live graphic design. And uh, also, there'll be a uh, on Christmas the game between the Raiders and the Chiefs will be on Nickelodeon. I might watch it on Nickelodeon just to spare myself the pain of that blowout, and uh, you can get slimed. <laughs> because we'll be getting slimed on the field, so to speak. We as a Raider fan. All right, 1-800-878-PLAY to get in and get heard. Big shout-out to our brave men and women listening both home and abroad on the American Forces Radio Network. You're doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're also on uh, Twitch.tv. There I is on this janky webcam. And the Twitter's at Rick Tittle. Come on back.
22: Right now at Wendy's, when you buy either a Dave's Single, Spicy Chicken Sandwich, Medium Frosty, or 10-piece Nuggets, you can get another for just a buck. Your dollar never tasted so good. So it's obvious what everyone will get, right? Ooh, definitely nuggets and a Spicy Chicken Sandwich, Dave's Dave Single, Single, and a frosty, frosty for me. and a Frosty. Okay, who said Frosty and a Frosty? Pick your obvious choice. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Buy one, get one for a buck. Limited time only. price
20: participation may vary. U.S. Wendy's valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined in a combo or any other offer.
18: Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again. Somebody has to do something.
14: Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that?
4: card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code gas11 for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's code GAS11. Use code gas11 for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill up.
14: Cashback's not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin.
4: Check out Channel 9. Check out
2: Rick Tunnel. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the program. one 800 A play Keeping our eye on X. It's too hard to say. Some trades that have just gone down. Rich Hill to San Diego along with g Choi from Pittsburgh. We'll see what's going the other way. This will be the 13th team for Hill who's 43 years old and his ERA is almost 5.0. If I'm a San Diego fan, I'm like, what, what prospect did you give up for this old man? I mean, we're out of it anyway. This is the guy that's going to turn it around. When Rich Hill went to Indy Ball, <clears throat> he played for the Newark Bears or Long Island Ducks or something, and the Red Sox brought him in <clears throat> for the last month of the season, and he did all right. The A's gave him a $6 million contract and a guarantee to be in the rotation which was dumb. Starter Jackson Wolf. Thank you, Dom. Um, But they guaranteed him a spot on the rotation, which I thought was stupid. And Rich Hill went to spring training, and there's, if you don't know this, if you're a veteran, you get one day off in spring training. Now, usually you play like two, three innings anyway. It's not like you're working that hard. But you get one full day off. And the one day off, they asked Rich Hill to go to the backfields in Phoenix and pitch to the minor leaguers who didn't have the day off. And he was super pissed. And they're like, well, you haven't been pitching much at all, and we need to take care of, uh, take advantage of this day. And so he went to the backfields, and he got raked by the minor leaguers, absolutely raked. And he complained, how am I supposed to pitch well and concentrate if I'm pitching to minor leaguers and it's like, no, no, you're supposed to be dominating them. Let's go to the phone lines. Charlie in New York city. How you doing, man?
23: I'm surprised you didn't open up with that big major blockbuster trade of, of the A's trading Jace Peterson to the diamondbacks.
2: I'm glad what we got have, out this? of that. I'm glad the A's got out of that contract. That was a ridiculously stupid contract. They also traded Sam Mole. He's gone. They brought in right. a couple of pitchers. one big kid from Notre Dame. Um, why not?
23: Oh, no, I fully agree. I was calling the seed. Did, <laughs> of either of those two trades, did they get anything of, of interest to you? I don't follow minor league baseball. Are any of these prospects... Potentially something to be looking forward to.
2: Well, the the kid that they got from uh, Notre Dame, I'm, I've already forgot his name is. Um, well, I'll find it here in a second. Um, but the kid they got from Notre Dame is like six foot six, and he actually looks like he might be something. Um, okay. So that's good. Um, his name is uh, Joe Boyle. And then, okay. um, yeah, that was for Sam Mole. He came over from uh, the Reds, and then for the Diamondbacks with Jace Peterson going there, we got a kid named Chad Patrick, who was not as impressive when I read up on him. So, but yeah. we, we have yeah. no no use for these guys. So
23: no, I, <laughs> so are they going to move since he's come back from his uh, per, I guess personal issues uh, May? I hope uh, so, Trevor May, because he's pitching well lately. You yeah. know, so save ten not, out of eleven. Yeah, flip him for something. I mean, uh, just you know, at this point, what does it matter? Just I would trade. If somebody wants Laureano, give him, trade him for a bag of balls. I don't yeah. care. Uh,
2: to me, everybody's available except for Geloff, Soderstrom, and Esturi Ruiz. Otherwise, you can have anybody.
23: Yeah, no, I agree. Now, uh, sticking with the A's, but off, there was something I was reading, I don't know if it was Bleacher Report or something, uh, saying that a lot of, uh, well, a, a fair amount of the other team's owners are frustrated with the preferential treatment that Fisher is getting from the league. Mm-hmm. Are you, did you hear about that or yeah. read about that? Yeah, they're
2: mad that they don't have to pay a um, relocation fee, but there's two things. One is... Owners never vote against each other, uh, even when they're pissed. And number two is, this is Vegas, and they so badly, every other owner is dying for a team to go to Vegas so they can go there and be naughty. If they were going to Portland or Charlotte or Nashville and there was no relocation fee, there would be an outrage. But this is just a, a you know guy sitting in cocktail parties saying, oh, that sucks, but they're still going to vote for it. So
23: they, they just want, <clears throat> right, so they just, it's basically they want a team in Vegas. Yes, with the Raiders and, and I assume eventually the NBA will, right. will, will they be, will they, will they be, train, uh, uh, moving a team or will they be, uh, will it be a new, it expansion? sounds
2: like uh, expansion Adam Silver already mentioned Las Vegas out of his own mouth. So it'd probably be an expansion team.
23: But aren't they pushing for Seattle too, to get a team back up there? He said they, when the or, TV
2: contract runs out, I think in three more years, he said Seattle and Vegas. Yes.
23: Oh, so those would be the two Yeah, two new teams. All right, well all right, well on that on that note. Anyway, that's all I got, buddy. Charlie it's fun, it's Thanks for the call, meeting. man. Yes, sir.
2: All right, I appreciate it. that's Charlie out there in Manhattan, an A's fan in Manhattan <clears throat> or as Sam Marill said, who grew up at seventy fifth and Lex, he says it's almost like with D's Manhattan. I'm like, really? He goes, Yeah, you can drink a Manhattan I'm like no T's at all? I know most Americans, we drop our T's. We say Saturday with a D. We don't say Saturday. Um, but yeah, so the A's made a couple of uh, little moves. Jace Peterson, before the season, was signed to a two-year deal. Not breaking the bank. I think it was like six mil, which is like a $60 million deal, million million deal for any other team there. <clears throat> but he stunk. Um, but he has shown flashes of talent. He did it with a bunch of teams last year with the Brewers. He's hit a couple of home runs here or there. He's basically just uh, a depth piece, a guy that if you throw out there, he won't humiliate you. Oledmus um, Diaz will humiliate you. No one, <laughs> no one is going to trade for a guy who can not hit, who's just a walking yawn. That's how I would describe Oledmus Diaz. It's like the personification of a yawn is what he is. And then Sam Mole was a guy that had been mentioned. He's, as Mike Kruko calls him, a shifty lefty with teeny arms. And so it's hard to pick up that arm slot when he's so little. Um twenty-nine year old rookie when he came in, he still has three more years of team control. Remember, that's when the A's trade people. Three more years of team control. That's the way that it usually (laughs) That's the way that it usually works. Uh, For them. But the Mets went out and got or I should say the Mets flogged Mark Canna speaking to the Brewers, um, you know, a guy that won't embarrass you. Nothing to write home about. I think maybe one of the more interesting things is the Mariners. Are they waving a white flag when they trade their closer to the Diamondbacks? Paul Seawald? And they got back a utility player, Josh Rojas, an outfielder, Dominic Canzoni, an infielder named Ryan Bliss. But I don't know. Um, It's funny. Seawald had two saves against the Diamondbacks over the weekend, and they're like, yeah, we'll take that guy. And then Seattle's like, okay. So (laughs) it's funny. Kendall Graveman was their closer when he was traded to the Astros two years ago, and Mariners fans are like, what are we going to do without Kendall Graveman? I'm like, really? Now Rojas is an old man. He's been around for a while. He's a 250 hitter. Uh, Kenzoni is in his mid 20s. He's played in 15 games. Bliss is the guy they traded for. He was a second round pick out of Auburn two years ago. He's hitting 332 with 13 home runs in Double A. So that's the guy that they really wanted uh, in this deal. But uh, white flags? Is that a white flag for the Mariners? It's definitely not a full speed ahead flag, I'll tell you that. Come on back. Let's talk about it. (laughs) 1-800-878-7529.
0: 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-867-6917. 800-867-6917. 800-867-6917. That's 800-867-6917.
7: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes. That's a fact. And if you owe back taxes, they will be coming after you to collect payments. In fact, President Biden also hired thousands more IRS agents to go after you. If you got a letter from the IRS and you know you owe back taxes or you haven't filed in years, don't
0: don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. That's 855-325-5647.
11: Uh,
2: I
24: joined the Army because my father and my brother were in the Army. I thought I'd better join before I got drafted.
0: Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more. There was one?
9: tittle always goes commando
2: i know i hella do 1-800 because i'm free
5: free ball one
2: 800 878 7529 keeping an eye on the uh, trade rumors talked about the mariners if they're wearing waving a white flag or not john paul baseball john morosi the thing i love about him and i interviewed him many times everything you say he'll go that's a great question rick And it makes you feel good until you realize that he says it after every time. Especially of a co-host. You know, that is also another outstanding question there. Nice. Anyway, he is reporting that the Twins are checking in with the Mariners about Teoscar Hernandez and Ty France. Heard last night, Teoscar Hernandez maybe to the Giants. Minnesota wants to add right-handed hitting. Uh, John Heyman says that the White Sox uh, do not want to trade Dylan Cease. But they said that it would take a lot to get him. In other words, they're still taking calls. I'll never forget when Sammy Sosa went on that great run with the Cubs. The White Sox who traded him said, we didn't even want to trade him. It's Jerry Reinsdorf. We got a call from the Cubs and said, can we have him? We were like, okay. But we weren't shopping him. And so they retired Sammy Sosa's number. I'm like, well, you already traded him to the Cubs. You can retire his number for what he's doing there. It was weird. It was really weird. And if you ever want to make a Cubs fan mad, when the White Sox won the World Series against the Astros, if you ask a Cubs fan, do you do you like that too? Being a Chicago guy? No, they didn't. <laughs> The Blue Jays apparently are in advanced talks to acquire Paul DeYoung, and that is because Bo Bichette came up lame last night. He was rounding first, put on the skids, and then, ah, my leg. Yeah. Not good. By the way, tonight Lance Lynn will get his start for the Dodgers against the A's. (laughs) I know some people going down. I've already gone down to Dodger Stadium twice to watch the A's down there. I'm good for now. Um, <clears throat> the Blue Jays yesterday, when Bichet got hurt, they're wearing the all red uniforms, which is dumb, but they do it because it's Canada. I used to have a program director who ran uh, the Rogers uh, network up in Toronto. Do you know who the market is for the Blue Jays? The country of Canada. That is their market, the entire country. In other words, the Blue Jays get an amazing rating and you don't have to even advertise them because it's all you got. Uh, Brad Hand, <clears throat> remember a few years ago, one of the best relievers in baseball, the Braves have brought him over from the Rocks for a young pitching prospect uh, named Alec Barger, and Hand has uh, pitched solidly, if you think about Mile High and that rarefied error. But, yeah, over the last, geez, decade – he is a lefty specialist. Now you've got to stay in for three batters. Uh, Barger is 25 years old, and he's a reliever at A. The talks between Verlander and the Astros apparently have cooled off. This is according to Mark Fisand. The sticking point is about who would get traded back to the Mets. It has nothing to do with the uh, deal there. Um. The Braves checked in on Verlander this morning. According to John Heyman, they are looking for pitching. you think about their rotation with all the injuries they have. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez was a guy the Padres were high on. Maybe now they have Rich Hill. They won't get him. That's quite a booby prize. (laughs) Can we get Eduardo Rodriguez? We got Rich Hill. Okay. Can we do that? The Cubs and Rays made a small deal. Adrian Sampson, Manny Rodriguez, and IFA money uh, go to the Rays for a minor league pitcher named Josh Robertson. It was a trade, Thought I'd mention it. Um, Here's another trade. The Angels said Tucker Davidson to the Royals for cash. This is a guy who got DFA'd. Um, So that's nothing too amazing. But there was this mystery team last night that was in on Verlander. In other words, not the Dodgers and the Astros, and the mystery team was the Padres. Would you say that they would still go after him now that they have Rich Hill? Yeah. Why not? Uh, And then we heard the Orioles. Maybe they're in on Verlander. Verlander, by the way is under contract next year for $43.3 million. So he's going to get more than a million dollars a start. Basically, a million and a half dollars per start. Well, million point two. But he has a vesting option in 2025. Now, we have seen teams over the years, when guys are about to hit an incentive, bench them. It's happened before. And I remember CC Sabathia... Because of uh, the Yankees being cheap, he went ahead and paid the guy with his own money what he was going to get for the incentive, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, John Heyman says that the Dodgers are in hot pursuit of Eduardo Rodriguez with the Tigers. By the way, his ERA is 295. He has three years and $51 left on his contract. Um, The Pirates have already dealt Rich Hill and G. Choi. San Diego, they're getting calls on Austin Hedges as well. Um, the Marlins are talking to the Cardinals about some bats. They've talked about Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Considering Tyler O'Neill got benched for not running hard enough, is another thing. <clears throat> so, uh, but right now, if the the season uh, ended today, the Orioles and the Rangers would have buys in the first round. The Twins would not, which means they would take on the sixth seed, the Blue Jays, and then the Rays and Astros would be the other ones. The Dodgers and the Braves would get buys. The Braves are the number one seed. That would mean the Reds wouldn't. They would host the Diamondbacks, and the Giants and the Phils would go at it. But here's the thing. The Giants and the Phils and the Diamondbacks and the Marlins and the Brewers, they're basically all in the uh, same pack right now. Uh, John Heyman said that the Mets are not inclined to deal Alonzo. Can I tell you the polar bear, they have zero intention of dealing him. I don't even know why that was brought up. Probably just to get people like me mentioning. That would give Mets fans shift. Jerry Seinfeld just drove off the road because I know he's a big fan of my show. Uh, I talked about the Teoscar Hernandez uh, rumors, uh, not just Giants, but Phillies and Blue Jays as well. He has 16 home runs, but he also strikes out more than 32% of the time, which is something that you and I could do uh, as well. Uh, People took calls on Alex Verdugo. He's not being traded. He was the prize of the Mookie Betts trade when they won the World Series and sold off parts like Betts and David Price. Uh, Verdugo is going to be a free agent after next year, and apparently he is going to be um, kept. But if you think about Verdugo and Masataka Yoshida and Jaron Duran and Rob Refsnyder, they've got some guys there, and this is why uh, Adam Duvall, they've been taking calls on him uh, as well. And um, the D-backs have talked about uh Michael Lorenzen, former All-Star with Detroit. Yes, he was an All-Star. And the Diamondbacks badly need a guy after Zach Cowan and Merrill Kelly as they're trying to uh, go. The Dodgers have traded reliever Justin Bruhl to the Rockies and for cash, which means they're just trying to open up a roster spot is what that is. And you don't have to do that. (laughs) In other words, you can trade for a guy and then to get him on your 40 man, you can DFA a guy or trade him or or whatever you like. Put him on the DL, uh, IL, sorry. That's the thing. It's like, what are we going to do? Remember that guy who was on the 15 day IL? He's been transferred now to the 60 day IL. Oh, because they don't count against the 40 man. It'd be pretty uh, cold blooded uh, if they did. But, so, I mean, outside of uh, Scherzer, there's nothing earth-shattering. Heimer Candelario, we kept hearing about him with Washington. The Cubs, you know, they're keeping Stroman and Bellinger. They traded for Heimer Candelario. Um, The Rays got Aaron Savali from the uh, Guardians. So, I mean, the Guardians were already talking about chopping uh, Bieber before he got uh, hurt. And uh, Candelario is a um, – it's funny. He got non-tendered by the Tigers in the winter, and the Nationals brought him in for a one-year deal, and this year he's hitting two fifty-eight with 16 home runs. So um, it's that's decent numbers, and that's the second time Candelario has been traded at the deadline. The Cubs sent him with Isaac Paredes to the Tigers for Alex Avila, and Justin Wilson six years ago. At that time, he was a triple-A player. But, you know, this is a guy who for a couple years slashed a .278, but last year he hit 217 and uh, non-tendered. You're not very tender right now. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byland. Who's watching?
4: Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
0: That's 800-965-1295. That's 800-392-7027. Limitations and exclusions
4: apply. First month free with purchase of single plan. Visit choicehomewarranty.com for more details.
23: Uh, what kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both
9: kinds. We got country and western. (laughs) Rick Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
2: Thank you for that. Pretty quiet on the trade front right now. As I said, we have about four hours and 20 minutes before we get to the nitty gritty, the deadline. It's over. No more trades. That's it, baby. 1-800-878-PLAY if you want to chime in. 1-800-878-7529. You know, we always hear about AI taking over the world and the people who work in AI invented AI. They're like, it's out of control. It's We're doomed. It's all over. It's the end of the universe. Well, I mean, you think about the writer strike and the SAG strike with them and, you know, what AI can do in Hollywood. Well, what about uh, sports? Because artificial intelligence, the commentating are and have push their way into sports broadcasting such as the masters and Wimbledon, which use tech to automatically narrate certain highlight videos posted on the websites and their apps. In June, Eurovision sport, a division of the European broadcasting union, EBU, they used an AI voice to provide recaps in between live commentary at the European Athletics Team Championship in Poland. And next month, the US Open will also use tech, according to Noah Sykin, IBM's Vice President of Sports Entertainment. IBM collaborated with the Masters and Wimbledon to create AI commentary. Do we need that? Did it sound like John McEnroe? (laughs) But the the serious of this seriousness of this, the developing use of AI in sports broadcasting is just one of the recent examples of how quickly uh, quickly tech is being adopted, and you know things that could be performed by humans, which of course, stokes fear and anxiety and job security, raising uh, raising questions around. I know that if I ever do a bad interview or have a bad show, I'm just going to say it was AI that day. That's a pretty good excuse. I did have something 20 years ago called the titillator 3000 and it was a robot that was going to do my job. So I'm a little bit ahead of the time. I, a genius, but representatives of Eurovision sports and IBM, they spoke to NBC news and they said, AI has not replaced real commentators. It's just doing the tedious parts of the job, such as summarizing events, and play-by-play announcing on less notable matches. AI technology generates audio commentary quickly and can cover (laughs) events (laughs) uh, that didn't have commentary before. Oh, okay. So some of the back courts there, it's like it's not worth hiring somebody to do it. So... There's the, we talked about Watson X, that's IBM's generative AI platform. And according to IBM, the generative AI provided golf narration for more than 20,000 clips on the Masters app. How about that? If you watched a clip on the Masters app, it was AI talking. Yeah, if this is talking, don't bother knocking. Achieving the same feat with real commentators would be difficult. Said IBM, some of the burdens of sports broadcasting. Well, I know that if you got anybody who, it's like, would you like to, you know, some young broadcaster? Do you want to do the back courts at Wimbledon? Do you want to do the highlights on the Masters? They're not going to go. Mm, just have AI do it. I don't want the money. But that's where our psych and says AI is here to assist rather than replace real commentators, making AI voices sound realistic. He said the same way we're not trying to replace humans, we're not trying to overly humanize the voices we use. Eh? So several synthetic voices were used for the AI commentary at Wimbledon, and then one synthetic voice was used at the Masters. He said patrons gave positive feedback to the AI commentary. Now, there were some people who said that the commentary sucked because they sounded like robots. And there was one Twitter user that said the golf AI commentary was quote, as monotonous with no emotions or voice modulations you could have, end quote. (laughs) Ball outside the lines, 30 love now serving Djokovic, Now receiving Alcaraz. So I said, we're not trying to replace. Oh, you're not? Wimbledon's use of AI and highlight reels apparently was emotionless, had no substance, no sense of timing, and it was so clear that it was AI. Well, in other words, when people say that, that means we're getting good feedback. Good as in a lot of feedback? So <laughs> it's an art form <clears throat> to keep a audience engaged when you're doing slow sports like golf. There's an expertise that goes through the experience, being there, conveying to the viewer or the listener, you know, inflections, yarns to spin. And I don't know if any can com- any computer can uh, replace that. Right? So, uh, in the European athletics team championships, audio commentary, the AI voice was cloned from commentator Hannah England, who was chosen for her public profile as a former athlete. She has a recognizable voice. This is according to Christophe Pasquier, the Eurovision sports head of audio and innovation. So, thanks to voice cloning, the voices of AI Hannah and the real Hannah England are difficult to distinguish, prompting the broadcast to add disclaimers before the AI speaks to inform listeners what they're listening to is not a real human. Wow. When instant replay first came in, remember they used it at the World Cup, <clears throat> they would put a big R in the corner of the screen. In other words, to say, what you're watching right now is not happening. This is a replay. They do that with AI. So Pasquier said, quote, for us, it's crucial because we want to respect the listeners. We don't want to cheat them. And we want to educate them. We want to offer them an opportunity to fully apprehend the true pros and true cons, the benefit of and the danger of AI. Well, he said danger. He said England... Uh, Hannah England was not compensated for providing her likeness. And he declined to decode uh, close further details related to the IA uh, AI voice project. And um, he says that the value is not convincing yet. <clears throat> the jury's still out on the value. Well, you don't have to pay her for her likeness. There's value for you. Monsieur Pasquier. Say no, same one. He said, economically speaking, it's very time-consuming and it costs a lot. So it was just an experiment. We're going to debrief within our community in the coming month, and then we'll see if we're fit to continue or not. Time-consuming and costs a lot. Isn't that why you have it, to not have those things? I would say if you just took a college kid and said, go commentate, you're done. And you could pay him 35 bucks an hour and then boom, he'll take care of it. She'll take care of it, whatever. So IBM was asked, what kind of financial arrangements do you have with the partners on there? They said, no comment. So like Pasquier said, the AI helped reduce the demanding workload on commentators. You could just hire another commentator. I've just said for the 20th time, they're saying the way it's formatted right now that the commentators would have to put in nine to 10 hours a day. Ah, he said in the past, it was very painful for the commentator after such a long day to ask them to stay in the commentary position for, let's say one extra hour in order to record all the content we actually generated with AI for highlights post-production. Now, IBM has said, that if a tennis tournament has 14 matches, then that it would require 14 production crews, 14 sets of commentators, and all original commentary. And that's not really how media companies choose to produce events these days. To that, I would say, no, you don't. If you have a crew at center court, you do not have to have 14 different production crews and 14 different sets of commentators. You could double up. I'm just saying. But sports broadcasting in a lot of different ways because of streaming, we have declining viewership in the traditional media, the rise of the streaming. And according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment for broadcast announcers and DJs is supposed to decline by 11% in the next, uh, let's see, 2021, next eight years. And... ESPN laid off about 20 people. They Yesterday, laid off Mark Jackson. Don't feel sorry for him. He's a millionaire. He's not. Apparently, they're going to get Doc Rivers to replace him. We'll see about that. Doris Burke's getting a bump up. But Saiken of IBM says that the AI models are now being trained in the nuances of commentary to adapt to the vocabulary of a tournament's country and sport. According to IBM... A team source data has about 130 million documents to train the language model for Wimbledon commentary. And Pasquier said, from an ethical standpoint to ensure accuracy, Eurovision Sport used new text-to-speech capabilities. A human producer wrote the script read by the AI commentator. Now, if it's not producing its own scripts, isn't that just as time consuming? I guess, I mean, you're not talking it, but you're still writing it. By the way, no AI has been used in live matches. And right now, they say the processing time could take a few seconds to a few minutes. And they just said the live nature of the capability we haven't brought to bear yet, but that's on the roadmap. Plus, mispronounced names, which people saw. <laughs> You know, it's a six-car OAK Concorde train. You know, it's coming. And there was a pe- person that was saying, uh, "War Rinka." They were saying that Anz Jaber. They uh, a Magdalena fresh, fresh is mispronounced. It's a tun- it's a Tunisian accent, not French. There's all sorts of things like that, but. AI is coming one way or another. Will there be a likeness of Rick Tittle and then a robot voice? Well, it is right now. What do you think of that? I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Pilot.
0: Pricing information 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 that's 800-915-9654
17: if you're moving to another state you're getting a fresh start in a brand new town And when you choose a moving company to help get your valuable possessions to that new home of yours, you want somebody that's going to take care of your things like you would. That's why you need to call Colonial Van Lines. They're America's number one moving company for a reason. Because they'll take care of your things like they would their possessions. They'll use caution so nothing gets damaged. And they won't treat you like a number, they'll treat you like a friend. Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free quote.
0: Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. That's 800-847-0225.
19: Remember, in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family.
9: Rick Tittle, you done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella fine.
2: All right. We know that uh, Sean Payton ripped Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job in Denver, calling it one of the worst in the history of the NFL. Walking those back now, he said he regrets it. He said... Listen, I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. I said this to the team. We've had a great off season relative to that. I've been preaching that message, and I'm the veteran stepping in it. It was a learning experience for me, a mistake, obviously. I need a little bit more filter. I need a little bit more restraint. I regret that. Well, Aaron Rodgers, who worked with Hackett in Green Bay and now works with him in New York, he went Will Smith <laughs> saying, It made me feel bad that someone who has accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I think it was way out of line, inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coaches' names out of his mouth. Then he went on to say that Hackett was one of his favorite coaches uh, that he's ever had. Uh, in the NFL he said my love for hack goes deep we had some great years together kept in touch love his family love him an incredible dad incredible family man and I love his approach he makes it fun how he cares about the guys yeah so hey Aaron Rodgers getting his coaches back I'm Rick Tittle come on back
16: I'm
1: Corey Myers. The U.S. says it isn't encouraging or enabling military strikes outside Ukraine's borders. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller told reporters yesterday it's up to Ukraine to decide how to conduct its war with Russia. Kiev has repeatedly tried to strike targets in Moscow using drones. A suspected serial killer will appear in court this afternoon on Long Island.
14: Well, the judge is expected to hear from both the defense and prosecution side. Rex Heuerman previously pleaded not guilty to charges connected to the murder of three women whose bodies were found in the area of Gilgal Beach more than a decade ago. Authorities argue they have DNA evidence against Heuerman and recovered more evidence at his Massapequa Park home. Heuerman's lawyer points to his client's lack of a criminal record when arguing that he was not involved. Scott Pringle, New York.
1: More high temperatures in store across the southern U.S. this week, with tens of millions of Americans remaining under heat alerts. The property manager of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate made his first appearance in a Miami courtroom yesterday. Carlos de Oliveira was indicted by a grand jury on Thursday on charges including conspiracy to obstruct justice and making false statements to the FBI. That special counsel's office alleges Trump requested employees delete security footage sought by the Justice Department as part of its investigation into Trump's handling of classified material. Asylum seekers continue to sleep on sidewalks outside a midtown Manhattan hotel with New York City struggling to find shelter for them. They were once again outside the Roosevelt Hotel overnight, which is the intake center for newly arriving migrants. New York Mayor Eric Adams admits the city is out of room with hundreds of migrants still arriving daily. This is USA News.
17: With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com
1: or call one 866 sky to learn more. Actor Angus Cloud, mostly known for his role in HBO's Euphoria, is dead at the age of 25 years old.
18: His family says he passed away Monday At their home in Oakland, California However, they didn't give any details on his cause of death Family also said that Cloud was struggling With the recent loss of his father And the only comfort they have Is knowing the two were reunited Cloud was a rising star in Hollywood And starred as Fezco on Euphoria
19: Listen, bro All I'm saying You keep fucking with Ruin and their friends And I'm gonna kill you gonna be 575 playboy
18: he also appears in movies like north hollywood and the line i'm michael kastner
1: colorado springs officials celebrating the decision by the biden administration to keep space command in colorado springs former colorado springs mayor john southers says that decision to keep space command in the city is a wise one
19: there are other aspects of uh, american security that would be seriously disrupted Uh, if there was any disruption of space command.
1: Clinical trials for long COVID treatments are starting soon. It's estimated as many as 23 million people in the U.S. have developed long COVID with symptoms that include fatigue, brain fog, dizziness, loss of taste or smell. They can last for weeks, months, or even longer. I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
2: Thank you for that. Hour three underway. Director Mark Turtletaub, who's directed some really good movies. He has a new one with Ben Kingsley. Talk to him. Uh, We're looking at the uh, trade deadline. And, you know, the thing to remember for soccer fans like me, that we are in an open window right now. You have the summer window and the January window. And just all this talk about Harry Kane coming Uh, to Bayern Munich from my favorite team, Tottenham Hotspur. And Harry Kane is in the last year of his contract. He can leave for free and the Spurs would get nothing for him. Or they can cash in on him now. The thing is, if they cash in on him now, there's no way they're going to the Champions League. If they go to the Champions League, they will get untold money. So it makes no sense to sell him and get the whatever 90 million euros now It makes more sense to keep him, be ambitious. It's almost like an Otani thing. And then if you make it to the Champions League, you're going to get 100 million euros. But if you sell him, nothing can replace 30 goals a season. That's how many he had last year, 30. He's the all-time leading scorer in the history of Tottenham Hotspur, a team that goes back to 1882. He is the second all-time leading scorer in the history of the Premier League. Alan Shearer had many more seasons than Harry Kane did to uh, get to that. It's about 42 more goals. Um, but Bayern Munich has been very smug. Luly Hoonis and a lot of the other people with Bayern, I mean, they're printing up T-shirts from the magazine Built or jerseys with his name on it. They're like, yeah, he'll be playing against uh, Red Bull Leipzig in the Super Cup at the end of the month. He'll, he'll be playing. Don't worry about it. Well, Kane has said, like the kickoff is August 13th, and the Prem, they're going to be at Brentford. He said, if I line up against Brentford, I don't want to talk about it. I'll just play the rest of the year. That's what I'm hoping we get to. I don't care who you buy. Even if you get 100 million euros, you're not going to replace 30 goals. It just doesn't happen. You're going to have to wait years and years and years to have another good striker. So I'm really hoping they don't sell. If he walks away, then he walks away. You're already rich. Get with it.
7: It's a free consultation, so call right now. Find out how much time and money it takes to finally get that book idea of yours published. Make your dreams happen. Call Doran's Publishing right now.
0: 800-485-6003 800-485-6003 800-485-6003 That's 800-485-6003
3: Has someone in your family lost a job recently?
0: That's 800-788-1495.
8: This is J.D. Sharp. I've been developing a revolutionary sports handicapping service, and you can be a part of the beta. Sign up at betus.com with a deposit of as little as $50 and use the promo code SHARPBETTING. Email a screenshot of your account to worldwidesharp at gmail.com and I'll reply personally with my plays. My NFL record this season was an industry best, 72 and 33, and this is the only way to know all my plays the moment I make them. Let's keep making money together.
22: Right now at Wendy's, when you buy either a Dave's Single, Spicy Chicken Sandwich, Medium Frosty, or 10-piece Nuggets, you can get another for just a buck. Your dollar never tasted so good. So it's obvious what everyone will get, right? Ooh, definitely nuggets and chicken a Chicken Sandwich, Dave's Dave Single, Single, and a Frosty. frosty for me, and a Frosty. Okay, who said Frosty and a Frosty? Pick your obvious choice. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Buy one, get one for a buck. Limited time only. Price of participation may vary. U.S. Wendy's valid for item of equal or lesser
20: value cannot be combined with a combo or any other offer.
5: Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a, he's so handsome. He's a genius.
16: Coming up next, Rick Tittle.
2: All right, thank you for that. And um, if we get J.D. Sharp, we'll uh, pick him up and uh, throw him on the air. The Blue Jays, after the Boba injury last night, they have just acquired Paul DeYoung. From the Cardinals for minor league lefty Matt Zvonson. The Blue Jays then DFA'd Jordan Luplo, the outfielder, to clear a roster spot for DeYoung. Looks like DeJong. Uh, DeYoung is a guy who looked like he was going to be a pretty good player for a while. He turns 30 tomorrow. So you can say you traded for a guy in his 20s. Makes you feel better. Uh, he really burst on the scene about six years ago he had 25 home runs he was second in rookie of the year and so the cardinals what do they do they care about their team they locked him up to a six-year 26 million dollar extension very cheap through the r beers now next year he is a 12 and a half million dollar club option with a two million dollar buyout so he's owed about three million dollars for the rest of the year but His bat has really slipped Um, when you think about when he made the All-Star team in 2019. And by last year, Tommy Edmond replaced him as the primary shortstop. And last year was a real low. He got sent down to AAA for three months. This year, DeYoung started the season on the injured list with a back injury. He came in in late April, and uh, he was able to regain the starting shortstop job. He had a couple of huge weeks where he looked like his uh, rookie self again. And as a defender, DeYoung has been an above average um, glove, according to StatCast and ranks um, about middle of the pack. He is similar numbers to Brandon Crawford and HaSyung Kim. His defensive runs saved ranks 15th in the league and he's not the right-handed bat the Blue Jays had been looking for, but assuming he can be just an average hitter, he's a um, the best possible shortstop replacement for Bichette that Ross Atkins, the GM, Russ Atkins, could find on deadline day. For Svonson, that's S-V-A-N-S-O-N, <clears throat> 24 years old, 13th-round pick out of Lehigh two years ago, Made some A-ball starts last year exclusively out of the pen at high A. His ERA is a 1-2-3. And then uh, Luplo, who got DFA'd, he's 29. He signed a one-year, $1.4 million deal with the Braves. He was DFA'd. The, then went on waivers. The Blue Jays uh, claimed him. They took him off the 40-man. They outrighted him and then brought him back. But... Ross Atkins and John Maziliak, GM of St. Louis, have gotten along well in recent weeks. They've had separate trades that sent relievers Genesis Cabrera and Jordan Hicks to Toronto. And I don't think uh, either GM expected to be in this uh, situation, to tell you the truth. All right, we have J.D. Sharp from uh, Pro Wagering. And uh, J.D., we're looking at the uh, trade deadline, just mentioning that the Blue Jays, after the Bichette injury, went in for uh, Paul DeYoung. Not a world beater, but a guy who can hold it down uh, for now. We're still waiting to see what happens with some bigger names like uh, the Verlanders of the world. Uh, A little bit quiet at the deadline right now. What are your thoughts?
8: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I could see Verlander getting moved. Uh, I saw that. By the way, you know, I mentioned Pete Crow Armstrong yesterday. Yeah, he just got moved up to AAA yesterday. But I think he'll be in the league in a couple of weeks. So if, they, if the Cubs move him up, uh, and along with you know Cassie and um, <clears throat> potentially Brendan Davis, I think they're going to go. They're, they're going to go for it this year. They're going to try to make the playoffs. But if they were smart, I think they would trade Stroman. Honestly, uh, I think he's going to fall off, even though he's having a great year. But I don't think Arenado's going anywhere. Obviously, Otani's not going anywhere. They won last night. Shohei's. Uh, I mean, he's he's playing so well that. He's being intentionally walked like twice a game at this point. I think he's had three games in a row where he's been intentionally walked at least one time. Um, I could see Verlander going somewhere. I just don't know where it would be at this point. Um, possibly the Astros. That actually might happen. And I think if they if they made that move, Alvarez hit a 3 round bomb last night. Tucker Kyle Tucker is playing at an exceptionally high level. The guy's got. 18 bombs, 72 RBIs, sitting 305. He's got 20 stolen bases. He's having a five-tool type of year, and I think he's going to be an MVP eventually. I really do. But, yeah, I mean, is probably the the biggest piece that I could see moving. Uh, The Padres should have won last night. They lost that game. That hurt them a little bit. But they've got so much ability, and Soto's playing well, and Machado's playing well. Bogarts is not playing well at all. He's actually having a terrible year. But I don't see them moving Snell because of that. I guess, yeah, if, if there was one piece that, that I think probably moves still, uh, it would be Verlander. I just don't know where he goes. Um, I, I guess the Astros. But, you know, it you know would be interesting if the Angels made a move and picked up Verlander. Because the Mets are looking for young prospects. And the Angels, they did trade away a couple of them, uh, Kai Bush and uh, Mason Albright to get Gialito. But if they made a move for Verlander, that would be – if they wanted to show Otani that they're very serious about winning championships, that would be a good way to get Shohei signed in the offseason, I think.
2: Yeah, Verlander is under contract for next year, so it wouldn't be a rental. I want to ask you about San Diego, who were looking at Verlander. They're having an extremely disappointing season. And today they go out and get Rich Hill and Gmon Choi. Rich Hill, it's his thirteenth team, his ERA is about five, and Choi is over thirty and hitting two oh five. This to me is a big yawner.
8: I don't know what they're doing. What are they doing? Rich Hill's forty four years older, forty three years old. I think his fastball's like eighty five. If he doesn't have if he doesn't have good control, he's gonna get lit up by everybody. Because Probably 90% of pitchers right now are throwing 95-plus. I mean, every one of them is throwing hard. So I mean, we'll call 93-plus. But, yeah, I mean, Till has not been good. He's been good under some circumstances, very, very unusual circumstances where his metrics have panned out. But, yeah, I, I just, this, this isn't – if they're looking to make a big move before the trade deadline, uh, this is certainly not that move. Now, and the Padres are still in pretty good shape. Darvish pitched really well the other day. That's big. If Darvish and Snell together – are pitching well, and Musgrave is pitching well, and Hader is pitching well, along with that lineup. And, and Gary Sanchez, who has really done a good job at catcher, who's been a great catcher as far as just you know pe- catching four pitchers. But he's also hitting at a very high level, and he's got like nine or ten bombs and maybe 40 games or so. So he's adding a, a spark offensively as well. I mean, Jimon Choi, he gets on base. He's the type of guy that could come in, I believe he's a lefty as well. He could come in late in, like in a playoff situation, in a pitch-hitter situation, and be an addition. He could be helpful. He really could be. But Rich Hill, I mean, unless it's the right circumstance where you've got a guy that, or a team that just can't hit the curveball, because he does have a good curveball. That's all he's got. Um, then I think that yeah, these, are, these are two guys that can help out in, in situations, but the situations that they're going to help out in are going to be those that are, you're talking ALCS, NLCS, World Series, not wild cards, if that makes sense.
2: Last question for you. Verlander is 40. He's owed $43 million next year. And then in 2025, he has a player option for 35000000 million. He'll be 42 years old. This is why maybe some teams are a little scared to take him on. You mentioned the Angels, but of the five that have been rumored, what do you think would be the favorite between the Braves, Orioles, Astros, the Dodgers, and the Padres?
1: Oof.
8: I would think... You know, the Orioles will be really interesting, and you want to talk about talent. They have an incredible farm system with Jackson Holiday and Jordan Westburg and Gunnar Henderson, who's having a great year, who's an amazing defensive player. But he's had like four or five bombs, four forty plus. Kobe Mayo, I mean the Grayson Rodriguez. The list goes on and on. Do I think that the Orioles might trade maybe a Mayo and a Rodriguez for Verlander? I could see him doing that. And Verlander, he's he's got decent stats this year. I mean he's he's inconsistent. He's really good at at the Mets Stadium. That's the thing with Verlander. When you're that age, you've got experience. No matter what those rules are, and he's got that 6'5", 250 hundred and fifty pound or two hundred and thirty pound frame, so he's not going to be affected by the by the pitch pit, the pitch clock really because he generates a lot of torque and a lot of, a lot of power regardless. But I have to check out and see how he actually pitches at Oriole Stadium, because if that metric is not good, if he has a, a history of you know pitching five or six ERA there, then it's a horrible trade for them. But if he's got good numbers there, we'll talk 2.25, 3.0 ERA, then that's, then that's a move maybe they should make, and they definitely have the, the, the farm system to do it. So I would say the team that makes the most sense would be the Orioles, but I could, I think it probably comes down to the Orioles and the Astros. I don't think they're going to trade him to the National League. Right?
2: There he is, J.D. Sharp. Check him out at ProWagering, ProWagering.com, for all your sports, prognostication, and insider insights. J.D., thanks a lot, man. Thank you. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back with Mark Turtletow.
0: It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. That's 855-325-5647.
18: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
9: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you nationally syndicated and around the world on the American Forces radio network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show filmmaker Mark Turtletaub. He has directed a new film called Jules, J-U-L-E-S. It is coming out from Bleecker Street Pictures on the 11th of this month. And it's got a a great cast with Ben Kingsley, Harriet Sansom Harris, Zoe Winters, Jade Kwan, and the fabulous Jane Curtin from uh, SNL. Mark, uh, thanks for being on the program. Can you give us a little uh, thumbnail, Jules? What are we talking about here?
24: Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a a movie about uh, starring, as you mentioned, Jane Curtin, Ben Kingsley, Harriet Harris, about – uh connection later in life uh but it's not your usual story about three older people it's got a bit of a science fiction element to it it's got uh quite a bit as you'll find of humor uh some real emotion and it's a buddy movie it kind of combines a lot of things don't usually don't go together
2: you think about the uh range of you know Ben Kingsley from Gandhi to Sexy Beast. He uh, <laughs> he can basically do anything, can he?
24: Yeah, and he's does he does comedy in this, which we haven't seen him do before. And he plays a character with hair, which we haven't seen very <laughs> often uh, before. Uh, but uh, it's interesting because it's resp- audiences. We've tested it around the country and audiences of all ages are responding, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the humor.
2: By the way, as an aside, that, I always call it the Mayan Pyramid, but that building by the river in Sac, that was you, right?
24: Yeah, that was that was my crazy creativity, yeah.
2: Can you, just, that was for the money store, what was, uh, I mean, it's such an iconic building, what was the inspiration behind that?
24: Uh, I just wanted to to, I wanted the building to stand out uh, because uh, it it uh, it was something that we would use back in the day in our advertising. And I love the design of it.
2: So as you make your fortune in the financial world and then you decide, I'm going to go into the film business. did people tell you, stay in your lane. uh, It's not going to work. Or did people say, go for it. You can do anything. Or was it somewhere in the middle?
24: you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can listen to everybody else. Uh, and a lot of people just, when they, when they exit one business, go right into the same thing. I was fortunate uh, to be able to do something that I love. And that is, I love movies and I always have. And so it gave me an opportunity to do something that I'd always wanted to do. Of
2: course, one of your, uh... Best received films was Little Miss Sunshine. Hard to believe it is 2006 now but unnominated for Best Picture at the Oscars and with Alan Arkin's uh, recent passing, do you have uh, an anecdote about working with uh, such an acclaimed actor as he?
24: Yeah, well Alan, yeah, one of my moments with Alan that I can there were many, but uh we uh, we were I asked him at one point, I said, "Alan, why did you want to do this movie?" and he said, uh, we worked on a couple of movies together. And he said, I'm only interested in movies which are ensembles, where everyone is pulling together uh, to make a movie, not a movie around one star. And he could be that one star. He could be the the lead. But he preferred to be one of many and, uh, of course, was iconic in many roles.
2: Very interesting. Speaking with Mark Turtletaub, the new movie Jules coming out on the 11th. So uh, Kingsley plays Milton. He lives in Western PA. I don't know if he were in Newcastle or, or Beaver or <laughs> Elwood City, somewhere in there. And a UFO crashes in his backyard. And from there, everything sort of the the uh, hijinks ensue, huh?
24: Yeah, but what's really interesting for me is I'm interested in movies in which people change uh, and transform. And although this is set in an unusual setting, which is, as you mentioned, a science fiction movie with a, hopefully not giving away too much, a four foot 11 inch uh, alien, it's really about human connection. And it's an alien who doesn't speak, but is the perfect listener, kind of the partner we all wish we had, right? That alien, that, that person that really listens without thinking about what they're gonna say next. And that alien who has no voice allows all these people to find their voice and that's really what the movie's about.
2: And it's really cool to see Jane Curtin. I am mean, just a huge SNL fan and she was the host on Weekend Update when I was uh, growing up and uh you know, what was it like to work with Jane?
24: Oh, she's an icon. She's one of a kind. And you know, when you're a director and you work with Jane Curtin and you work with people that I work with, you just get the hell out of the way. You know, you uh, you you let them do what they can do and then yeah, So we don't even rehearse. We just hmm. uh, talk about scenes, and then they go perform. And then you can always go in afterwards and say, hey, can we try this or try that? But uh, a lot of it is just trusting the the impulse and the instincts of the actors. And that's how it was with Jane.
2: So it's a collaborative uh, effort then, and when you get a guy like uh, you know Ben Kingsley and he says, I think it might work better than if I stand over here, or maybe my character shouldn't say something like that, you're open to that type of feedback?
24: I am, and then it's a give and take. You know, There are times where you'll say, you know, and he'll try it and say, I want to have uh, Jules sit over here, and he did that in one scene. And then I said, hey, okay, let's try it a couple times, and then I wasn't thrilled with the look of it, so I said, hey, can we try it the other way now? And because there's a trust when you work with actors, uh, if you do it right, then they're willing to, you know they know you're going to give them the opportunity to try it their way. And then they'll often say, "Great, we'll try it, try it the other way as well." And then you get in the editing room and you spend ten months, as I did on this one trying to make it work. And then it, because tonally it was so unusual. There's not, you won't see another movie like this in the next five years. You're not going to find a movie as wildly inventive and yet full of heart as this one is. Uh, And so it took me a long time to make sure that the tone was consistent all the way through.
2: Very cool. And I want to ask you before uh, you leave, do you use Got to spend the night in the Lincoln bedroom in the White House. Can you, can you tell yeah, us what I know that was? Somebody
24: like? put that on my. I am. It's not true. Actually, <laughs> it's not true. I, I, but you know, how do you change that kind of thing? I don't know. Uh. So, So, everybody thinks I slept there. Okay, that's fine. I never did.
2: So, Wikipedia is not the burning bush then. It's, it's, uh, no, apparently not. All right. You'll
24: now have the, you now have the exclusive on that.
2: (laughs) All right. Uh, well, I know you got to run. I want to remind everybody, Jules, it's coming out from Bleecker Street on the 11th. And we're here with uh, director Mark Turtletaub. Uh, once again, another great movie from Mark. Thanks for coming on, Mark. We appreciate it.
24: I appreciate you. Thank you.
2: Sure. Um, the other day, I forgot what it was. Um, somebody was on the show and I said, uh, oh yeah, you were born in Hawaii. And they're like, I was born in Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, Wikipedia said you were born in Hawaii. And they, they said I was born in Hawaii. I think it was a comedian. And they're like, I'll take it. But uh, no. And so <laughs> that's the thing. You got to be... I remember one time I was working with this uh, younger guy, and he goes, well, that's what Wikipedia said. And it was something outlandish. And I was like, you might want to just check to make sure because, you know, you can't – Wikipedia can be, uh, you know, changed by anyone. I remember one time notable alumni at St. Mary's College, my friend said, "Uh, I put you in. You should be a notable alumni. And then I went to look, and it was already taken out. (laughs) It's like somebody said, he's not notable. Guy's a punk. I always think it's interesting when it says notable alumni, and it will be like uh, COO of AmericanBlinds.com. I'm like, all right. You're a paragon in the business world. The other, a few years ago, I won't say if it was male or female, but a friend of mine who I graduated with was alumni of the year, or alumnus or alumnae of the year. And was the biggest drunk I knew in college, but a great business person. <laughs> he or she was the alumni of the year, and I was like, "Wow!" I remember uh, seeing that person wipe out and just have bloody kneecaps from being so drunk. Alumni of the year. We have open lines. Come on
11: back.
22: Wendy's, when you buy either a Dave Single, Spicy Chicken Sandwich, Medium Frosty, or 10-piece Nuggets, you can get another for just a buck. Your dollar never tasted so good. So it's obvious what everyone will get, right? Ooh, definitely nuggets and a Spicy Chicken Sandwich, Dave, Dave Single, Single, and a frosty, frosty. for me and a Frosty. Okay, who said Frosty and a Frosty? Pick your obvious choice. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Buy one, get one for a buck. Limited time only. Price participation may vary. The U.S. Wendy's valid for item of
20: equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined in a combo or any other offer.
0: That's 800-392-7027. Limitations and exclusions apply. First month free with purchase of
4: single plan. Visit choicehomewarranty.com for more details.
8: Are you looking to improve your baseball swing? You need the Rip Grip Pro. Co-created by Dodgers, AAA star Drew Avins, the Rip Grip Pro will help you stay palm up, palm down, and pull the barrel of the bat through the zone instead of pushing it. Check out Drew's videos at ripgrippro.com. And you'll see how this can help you or the baseball player in your family improve your ABs. Get the adjustability in your swing that you need. Go to ripgrippro.com. That's
11: ripgrippro.com. To me, it's like a mountain. A vast bowl of pus.
9: his servants
2: i don't have servants thank you for that uh a lot of times in sports we'll have a list top 10 busts of all time jim marcus top 10 best pick in the later rounds tom brady snoozer snoozer but i remember a few years ago in 95 7 we were asked every host to name our top five NBA players of all time. And I was the only one that named Dr. J on my top five all time. And it's mostly because when I was growing up, he was by far the man in the NBA. He was Jordan before Jordan and it didn't cause big outrage. I think it's mostly because of my age, but there were other guys who were older than me like Greg Papa and Matt Steinmetz and Ray Ratto. They didn't put, uh, Dr. J on there. I bring up Dr. J because he was asked a couple days ago, who are your top 10 players all time? Here's his list. Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Karl Malone, and Tiny Archibald. So they asked him, what about Steph Curry and LeBron James? And he said, well, those guys are still playing. I'm like, well, can't you rank them? He's like, oh, I thought you meant uh, guys who are retired. Now, he didn't change his list. He just said, I wasn't even thinking about present-day players. Now, I think most people would say Tiny Archibald. Tiny Archibald was fantastic. He's in the Hall of Fame. He was a Bronx playground legend, except he never went to school. And (laughs) they got these guys, these mentors that said, you got to go back to high school. And he did. And he went to UTEP and then went to the Cincinnati Royals, which became Omaha, which became the Kansas City Kings. And then he got traded to the Knicks for two first round picks. Those two first round picks were Otis Birdsong and Phil Ford. Or the Spurs song would be an all-star. Phil Ford was rookie of the year. Then he got traded to the Buffalo Braves for Michael Ray Richardson and Cliff Robertson and George Johnson. But he tore his Achilles, never played for him. So then they traded him to the Celtics. And then he went to the Bucks, and then his. But listen, he was uh, all NBA three times, 73, 75, 76. He was all NBA second team two times. basically an all-star all throughout the 70s and early 80s. He was the 1981 NBA All-Star Game MVP. He led the NBA in free throws, made uh, three times. Um, He scored over 16,000 points, averaged 19 points a game, one of the 50th greatest players of all time, Uh, 75th anniversary team as well. And so when you hear Tiny Archibald or Nate the Skate, whatever you want to call him, Nate Archibald, you might think, him? Well, you got to understand when Dr. J was playing, Nate Archibald was basically like the Steph Curry of his time. He's a different type of player. There was no three point line, and he could dunk, interesting uh, enough, UTEP like Tim Hardaway. But a lot of people were just outraged that Tiny Archibald was on the list. But as I said, how many guys on the list are from an era when he didn't play? Because Michael Jordan and Carl Malone they, and um, Magic, they barely make it into that era you know, for a few years. But otherwise, I mean, the big O, Oscar Robertson, one of the greatest guards of all time. Jerry West and Elgin Baylor were both ridiculous scoring machines for the Lakers. We know about Kareem. He had the all-time record until LeBron broke it. No one will ever argue against Wilt. Wilt, when I had my list, I had Wilt as the greatest player of all time. Bill Russell, um, sometimes people think he gets too much credit. Sometimes they think he doesn't get any credit at all. But yeah, I was just pointed out there was no Larry Bird on the list uh, either instead of uh, tiny Archibald. Uh, and then the mailman, you know, Carl Malone usually doesn't get on these lists. He's usually just outside, but you know, the mailman was a great player, but then some people will say, well, what about Shaq? I mean, it'll just, you can go on and on about what about him? What about this? What about that? Blah, blah. For me on my all time team, I had both Dr. J and Kobe and this is when Kobe was alive but i thought Kobe was one of the top 5 players of all time and with Jordan i think it was Will Chamberlain, Dr. J, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant and i'm trying to remember <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else i had now it wasn't uh certainly wasn't Magic, it wasn't Abdul Jabbar It wasn't Russell. It might have been Oscar Robertson. I can't remember who my fifth guy was, honestly. But nobody else had Kobe on their list. And what's funny is that people came to me later and they're like, mad respect for Kobe. And I'm like, I'm not a Kobe fan, but I've watched his entire career as a Warrior fan. The guy will just, I mean, he like, Kobe would throw the basketball down and it would go in the hoop. (laughs) It's like, how do you take a jump shot? from 25 feet out and you're like throwing it, it looks like you're throwing it downhill. He just was a ridiculous talent, uh, obviously. But there are some lists. Now, if you had, you know, if Michael Jordan wasn't on the list, then people would just call you a spiteful SOB. It's like something happened between you and him. You were smoking cigars or you were golfing or, you know, Michael Jordan was a... Definitely a heckler. He was definitely a bully. I always wonder, like, when I saw that last dance, Jerry Krause would walk in, or and then Michael Jordan would just start ripping him. Look at your fat little ass. You don't know how to play basketball.
8: Really quick, Justin Verlander to the Houston Astros again.
2: All right. Well, there it is. He's going back home. And, um well, I say back home. He was a Tiger originally, but Jim Crane. Likes him some, uh, some Justin Verlander. And, you know, you think about the move Lucas Giolito going to the uh, Rangers, and the Astros and the Rangers are head to head in that division in the American League West. And, um, I'll tell you another team that doesn't like this news is the Anaheim Angels, (laughs) Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, of Orange County, of California, because that just strengthens strengthens, uh, that division. And it basically means that one of those teams is going to win the division and one of those teams is going to be a wild card because that's what we're saying about Baltimore and Tampa Bay. But lo and behold – Toronto is only a game back, and Toronto uh, made some moves, not earth-shattering moves. But I've seen, I mentioned it yesterday, I've seen what Verlander can do in a series, and he can be the difference. And if it wasn't for Verlander for two uh, series that the A's had under Bob Melvin in, I'd say, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there, 2012, that the A's would have won those series because Verlander beat them twice in a five game series. He pitched game one and he pitched game five and he won both of them both years. And I think a lot of ACE fans will never forget that pitch to Josh Reddick, which was going to force in a run and tie the game. It was at his knees and everybody was standing up cheering. And then Josh Reddick swung at it. You know, when you see a ball, In other words, not a strike. A a ball coming out of a pitcher's hand, and you know as soon as it leaves his hand that it's not even close to the strike zone. Um, Speaking of Detroit, though, uh, when Billy Bean was the GM, the only series they won was against the Twinkies. That's when now-manager Mark Kotze hit that inside-the-park home run. Remember, we were watching that game here at Byline. He slid into home plate. His shirt tails came out. Frank Thomas was on the A's. He went boneyard. Barry Zito, they didn't trade him. They held on to him at the deadline. He beat Johan Santana at the Gladbag. And then going to Comerica Park and like Maglio Ordoñez taking Houston street deep and Barry Zito getting shelled. And the the Tigers were scary. Miguel Cabrera. I think V-Mart. They had some uh, talent. There's no doubt. But anyway, Verlander now going to Houston who is a half game behind their intrastate and intra-division rivals, the Texas Rangers, who are, of course, spending a lot of cash, and uh, they have a great manager with three rings. But you think about now their number one guy with Houston, Framber Valdez, and then you probably go Hunter Brown, Christian Javier, J.P. France, and then Jose Urquidy if he's healthy, but now it's Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander is what it is. I don't think Verlander would be the ace. I think they'd probably keep um, Valdez as the number one guy. But then again, you know, his ERA is under three and a half. Um, But then again, maybe they. I'm just interested in what the price was. Um, We'll have to look that up. And uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll look up what the price was. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports (laughs) Biling.
16: Right now.
0: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295. Life insurance is one of those things that just about everybody needs, but
6: few people actually have. Hey, if you die unexpectedly without life insurance, guess what? You'll leave your family with even a bigger mess.
0: Information. 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 That's
19: 800-915-9654 Remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family? You never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you Call the debt helpline
0: now. 800 943 2153. 800 943 2153.
21: 800 943 2153.
14: That's 800 943 2153. You talking to me? You talking to me?
9: Rick Tittle can usually be found at He Baby Mama House.
2: All right, uh, Bob Nightingale reporting. The Astros are sending two minor league players to the Mets. Uh, we don't know who they are, but a lot of Astros fans are scared that it might be Drew Gilbert. Drew Gilbert is at Double uh, A. He's a five foot nine guy who was a uh, pitcher at uh, uh, as a kid, but he just did not have the uh, the heat that he needed. Even though he was supposed to be the second. Best pitcher uh, of his uh, high school class, uh, Drew Gilbert is in the trade. Yeah, I would expect him to be. He's the number one prospect for the Houston Astros. He's a five foot nine center fielder uh, now, and um, this is something that only once in the history of uh, my team making trades, <laughs> which is the Oakland A's, only once. Did we get the number one prospect from a team? And that is when the A's got Sean Mania from the Royals for Ben Zobrist, and Ben Zobrist helped the Royals win the World Series, and that's a trade. And Sean Mania did not go on to win three Cy Young, so I'm sure the Royals are perfectly happy uh, with that trade. <clears throat> with the Mets now, they got uh, Luis Angel Acuna, um, from Texas, Ronald Acuna's little brother, and they got Drew Gilbert. They said, five foot nine, but uh, the, I mean, so's, uh, you know, um, Bregman, he's like five foot nine, who cares how big you are in baseball, if you can get it done. But if you're the Mets, you want to get the, uh, you want to, you know, have something to show for it. And especially if it helps them win the World Series, that's something that's there as well. And, you know, and then you just think about Uh, Andy Martino of Sports New York said, the Giants were in on Verlander for a sec. That's what he wrote. He didn't even finish the word. He said they were in on him for a sec. Um, And also some more rumors before we go. We have three hours left in the deadline. Teams are still calling the Cardinals on Dylan Carlson as they have a mini fire sale going on. Uh, They said they want a young MLB starting pitcher on the way back. And uh, Joel Sherman is reporting that the out the Yankees are one of those teams interested in Dylan Carlson, and that they're dangling Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader just got traded from the Cardinals to the Yankees. You want him to go back? So, look, Bader. It, like Carlson's a former first round pick, so there's some untapped upside there. But he's a similar player to Bader. He's younger it's just kind of funny that Carlson's a switch hitter, but he's been much better on the uh, right side. I remember I had JT snow in here and I said, yeah, I remember the uh, giants made you stop switch hitting and just hit left. He goes, that was my decision. They didn't tell me to do it. I decided it. And I went, all right, sorry. Uh, all right. So we'll, uh, we'll keep our eye on the trades and, uh, we'll see what else goes down. But this is the big name of the day and we'll see if this is the biggest trade of the deadline. We still have three more hours of it. As I mentioned, Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pack Time. We'll do it again on Titillating Sports.